who was extremely narrow-minded, arrogant, and ignorant. And that's always been my opinion of him, always. I know the upbringing that Wiley's had. I know the upbringing a lot of the grime scene have had. And their facts and sources come from stuff their mate has told them while they're coming over and sat sitting on the couch smoking a joint yeah um and youtube videos i'm about to go on a rant firstly let me just say i'm delighted to have josh friend from internationally acclaimed mode step on the show he's actually an old friend of mine and it's a great podcast as he really speaks his mind and doesn't mince his words in the uk this week a leading rapper known as the godfather of the grime subgenre Wiley went on an anti-Semitic tirade. A tirade is being kind as it was about as subtle as Mein Kampf. I don't say that with hyperbole. The things he said had nothing to do with the typical criticism of Israel or Zionism. This was straight up, the Jews are slippery, the Jews are like the KKK, and the Jews need to be shot and killed. All things he said. Crawl out from under all your little rocks and come and defend your Jewish privilege now. He called out for the top Jew to come and speak with him, and he very nearly came on this podcast, but then didn't turn up in the Zoom meeting. Things are very different in the US and the UK regarding the Jewish race, and it is a race if only for the simple reason that if Hitler were here today, devout atheists such as myself would be put on the trains. In the UK, there's been a steady move towards both the right and the left, where some of the more insidious anti-Semitism has been cropping up. As famous scholar Helen Pluckrose explained on last week's podcast, the Jews have been kicked out of the woke pyramid of minorities. This, despite Jews only making up 0.5% of the British population, compared to 14% for black, Asian and minority ethnic people. The whole woke or social justice philosophy is centered around well-meaning ideas of equality and redressing societal imbalance. And let's be honest, they consider a group of people who have been persecuted throughout history, from the Russian gulags and ghettos where my family toiled for generations, to concentration camps, as the privileged elite. This, despite today, on both sides of the Atlantic, being the overwhelming target of religion-based hate crimes. For example, around 70% of US hate crimes in 2017 were aimed at Jews. As former racist Matthew Collins told me on this podcast a few weeks ago, The Jews existed everywhere and you couldn't even look in your cupboard without one hiding in. In my own personal experience, I've been called all sorts of names, including Shylock at university, the Shakespearean character. I've been told countless times by production companies that they can't take my documentaries because I'm white. And whenever I've explained that I'm Jewish, I've been laughed out of the offices. Not a month goes by where somebody doesn't make reference to my apparent stinginess or greediness. And when I release a new video on YouTube or the BBC's page, it's propped up by countless online idiots referencing the fact I'm not to be trusted. My last name, Gold, suggests I'm a Jew. It was once Goldstein, changed by my father for sounding too Jewish. Now, such is the toxicity around this ethnicity that my 13-year-old sister was chased down the street by a group of men screaming scum Jew at her. Not something from the 1940s, but 2019. But you know what? When someone like Wiley says what he says, it doesn't hurt that much. He's a complete nutcase. Jewish people, like most minorities, will see that kind of thing on YouTube comments and on Twitter daily. You learn to just block it out. What does hurt is hearing pseudo-intellectual rationalizations and explanations from respected left-wing journalists and public speakers. Typically, when you're attacked as a minority by some racist fascist on the right, you can look to the left for support. When the left close their eyes to this, we're left feeling very lonely. And it hurts. 
I'm brought back to my first experience of being somehow other in the United Kingdom when I was at a football game with my dad at 10 years old and the fans around us hissed to mimic the sounds of the gas chambers. As many of you know, I was on the radio this week to discuss the whole Wiley incident. It doesn't matter which channel or who the presenter was, but she explained away Wiley's tweets. They absolutely hit the borderline of can we call this anti-Semitic? Perhaps you saw Wiley's tweets and you think he has a point. She was a former Guardian journalist, and that's an important point because that paper is supposed to be our allies to the left. But The Guardian released a bewildering article after Wiley's rant, a great big photo of him looking smug, his hand raised triumphantly in the air, the headline reading, Wiley tells Jewish community, Israel's not yours. They appeared to be championing him and amazingly making it about Israel, a country Wiley mentioned once or twice out of thousands of messages that were very clearly aimed at the Jewish people. Later, another supposed ally in the form of The Voice, a newspaper popular in the black community, published an article in defense of Wiley's statements. So here we are in 2020, and mainstream respected newspapers are basically writing that Jewish people are bad and debating the whys and the hows and the what to do with us. This hurts, but it's also dangerous. So this is a call to arms. Because the only ally in the UK that I see the Jewish people having now is the moderates. I'm not asking people to stick a black box on Instagram and say they hate racism because nobody agrees about what constitutes racism. Nobody thinks they're racist. That's the whole problem. On the right, I'm not racist, but look at the stats connecting this particular minority with crime or whatever it might be. On the left, I'm not racist, but look at the stats relating to Jews and how they might be owning the world. All I'm asking is that when you hear this kind of thing that Jews are running the world, or even if they're talking of boycotting Israel while happily supporting the World Cup in Qatar or the previous one in Russia or being totally ignorant about the plight of Muslims in China, I just ask that you stand up and say, hey, I don't agree with that and I'm not going to let this narrative continue because history shows us where it leads. Um, Josh Friend is a musician, the main man of Modestep. Look them up, you'll know their tunes, really eclectic and original stuff. He's worked with Wiley, he knows him. He knows his character, and it's a fairly damning report. But what's fascinating about talking with him is we get a look into where Wiley's racism comes from. I'm upset this is overshadowing what would have been an interview more focused on the music industry and Josh's place within it and the amazing work Modestep have done. But I also feel lucky I was able to catch up with him at this time. Subscribe to get next week's podcast too, where I'm speaking with a sociopath, not Wiley, but an actual sociopath. Uh, more on that at the end. Have you ever come across Wiley? Are we recording? We are recording, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. You can tell me stuff off the record. I mean, look, you, I've known you 58 years. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, so um, my like first experience with Wiley was in Australia, uh, in 2012, I think it was me, Wiley, Skepta, and some some of the managers from Boy Better Know. And we were all in a bus on our way to somewhere in Australia because we were doing a whole tour of, of Oz together. Um, and my only impressions that I got of Wiley was very argumentative, um, very opinionated, and even though he was talking that and this and this is talk, I'm talking about the stuff we were talking about in the van, the stuff he was talking about, I am a very informed person, but he still argued with me and tried to make me feel like a piece of shit 
for having a different opinion to him. So mm. from then on, I kind of writ him off as somebody who's just narrow-minded and, and ignorant. And for the last 10 years, both my brother and, and the, uh, Pat, the drummer in the band, big grime fans. I'm not a massive grime fan. It's never really been like, I'm, I was garage and when it hit grime, I was a little bit less like, less into it, to be honest. They, they're huge fans. So every time they would big Wiley up, my opinion of him stayed from that time I met him mm. where he was extremely narrow-minded, arrogant and ignorant. And that's always been my opinion of him, always. Yeah. So when this stuff appeared, I think you saw I was one of the first people online to actually call him out. Um, yeah. And instantly unfollowed me and blocked me like he does with anyone that has a different opinion to him. And he just lives in like, it's, it's difficult to really like, to really blame people like this. Cause I know the upbringing that Wiley's had. I know the upbringing a lot of the grime scene have had and their facts and sources come from stuff their mate has told them while they're coming over and sat sitting on the couch, smoking a joint yeah. um, and YouTube videos. So really you can't blame them. They're not informed. They're not people that have educations. They don't have any like, and obviously what's happened with him. And I can see it happens a lot in the industry is you get fucked over by your manager and you try and find a reason to hate them. And obviously yeah. a lot of managers in music business are, are Jewish. So it's very easy yeah. for him to, to point the finger. And obviously he has mental, mental health illness, uh, mental health problems, which I think is quite yeah. evident by all of this. And, um, yeah, he's lost the fucking plot, mate. And it happens once every three months as well. Like, I think the, the majority of Wiley's following on Twitter isn't, isn't fans. It's people watching him. Okay. Um, like Trump? Um, yeah, exactly the same. Exactly what the what same. would you have said about him if I'd said we were off the record? Because that was quite damning. <laughs> oh, right. Well, if we were off the record, I'd say first time I met him. Can I leave that bit in? Because the thing about that is my my dad's got, he's been listening to them and he got a bit upset that I've sworn on a few of them. Yeah, I heard I heard you uh, replace the word fuck with fig on your last podcast. So I was about to uh, about to drop a bunch of figs in this one. I don't know if you've actually met him, but back in the day, I used to show him your music. So he's going to be doubly disappointed. <laughs> this is going to be a running theme. Hey, this is rock and roll. This is rock and roll. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. He's going to have a problem with your tattoos, by the way, as well. Yeah, well. Come to, uh, he always says he says the same thing about tattoos and swearing, right? Exactly the same thing. Can you guess what it might be? God doesn't appreciate it. No, <laughs> just not, just not, not necessary. Not necessary. Correct. <laughs> I'm sure I could point out many things that are probably not that necessary. His son, definitely his son, and his son's podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're on it, mate. Yeah. It's getting a lot of um, listens. So a lot of people will be listening to this now. Great. Yeah. So I told you, man. Consistency is key. I've got Wiley's number. Should we call him? If you want. I don't think he'll pick up. I, I, the thing is, he's gone completely silent since all this happened. So hmm. it's either one of two things. He's in a mental hospital and there's people looking after him and caring for him hmm. or the police have... Uh, oh, he's been Facebooking him. all day. He has? Yeah, he's got a proper... Because what's do you know what his real name? It's something like Richard, isn't it? Fuck knows, mate, to be honest. I th yeah, yeah, Ian, <sighs> Richard, something, something like that. <laughs> he's been posting all day and... Um, oh, that's the only platform that he's allowed to post on. That's what's happened. Did you see my interaction with him? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's a very hmm. typical, by the way, Wiley is renowned for taking bookings and not showing up. That was like, back in the day, that was the meme about Wiley. That was his, <laughs> what people thought of him. You know, you book him, you pay the money, there's 5% chance from showing up. Luckily, I didn't, I should just point out, I didn't pay him any money. But I did say, for those who don't know, I said, uh, he, he said, any top, oh, we haven't actually explained 
what happened in case anyone because some people yeah. don't know if no, it seems crazy america don't know yeah it's only the uk that know about this yeah so, like, maybe i'll do a bit at the beginning to explain a little bit because we'll we're, we're talk about him but just just for now he's a grime music person he invented grime he's the godfather of grime yeah do you want to you can why don't you say what he is and what he's done recently while is considered the person who invented the genre grime music he um very opinionated um, and is known for his kind of social media outbursts. But this time he had obviously had some kind of altercation with his manager and came out with what can only be be described as the most bullshit YouTube rambling nonsense about Jews that I've ever heard in my life. Um, And it didn't go too well for him. Unless it's what he wanted, because a lot more people have heard of Wiley. Because obviously in in your uh, industry, a lot of people have heard of him, but I hadn't heard of him. You never heard of Wiley? No. Did you hear me? I was on the radio the other day on talk radio and I made a joke that fell flat because they said, uh, had you heard of him before this had all happened? And I said, uh, uh, no. In fact, when I saw his name, I thought it might be Willie. And I thought maybe there'd be a chuckle and it's just dead air for a few seconds. And I yeah, said, I'm not sure you're allowed to say that on national radio. I said, can you say Willie on national radio? And she said, mm, don't think so. No, only if it's your name, I think. Yeah, that's it. Well, what the things she had been saying, by the way, this was on talk radio, and the um, oh, her name is uh, in fact, it doesn't matter what her name is, but she was a presenter. And she said, uh, Wiley's been tweeting, and uh, she presented the whole topic, you know. And she said, Is it anti Semitic? It's on the border, uh, but I don't know if you could call it anti Semitic. Uh, now we go to Andrew Gold. Really, I was t- so shocked. That, and a bit nervous because it was live on the radio, so I didn't say yeah, anything. Yeah. But it was sort of called out on Twitter later. And then she said, after I got off, I saw that, yeah, when I got off the air, she she said, um, you know, let's call in. Maybe you agree with what he's saying. Let us know. Call in. Yeah, I saw that. I saw other people posting about that as well. Total fucking bullshit. Total bullshit. It was really crazy. So I've got his number. Yeah. I could I could try and call him. Give it a go. Go on. See what happens. What if I say I've I'm a journalist. I've got uh, Josh Friend from Mode Step here. You were call because okay. That was the other thing we haven't filled people in with. He was calling out the top Jew. Can we talk to the top Jew? He wants to debate the top Jew about Jews being slippery and horrible people. So you went straight to the ranking system. Yes. <laughs> Straight to the website of uh, Jew <laughs> ranking. And, um, I, I was aware that obviously a top Jew, we're talking David Baddiel, uh, Sarah Silverman. No? Sarah Silverman's like the least Jewish person on the fucking planet. So it's like Seth Rogen. All these people can't be buried in fucking, in, 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 in Jewish, in burial grounds. Like they're, <laughs> they're not real Jews. This is the thing. No, no, but no one is. But when you say top, top Jew, I, I'm, I've interpreted top as most famous. And you're interpreting it as most Jewish. Yeah, it's a fucking rabbi. That's what I consider a top Jew. He didn't want to speak to a rabbi. He didn't. No, of course he didn't. Of course he didn't. <laughs> he wanted to speak to... Well, now he's been he's been name dropping. So he's been saying, David Baddiel, talk to me. All right, a Rothschild. There we go. That's probably what he's after. The one with the most money is what yeah. he's talking about, really. He's been saying he's been saying David Baddiel all day. I need to see this stuff, to be honest with you. I On Facebook, his Facebook, his real Facebook, has been going, David Baddiel, come and talk to me, David Baddiel. But Baddiel, will, we'll talk him under the table. The last person he wants is a witty Jew. <sighs> but do you know what I mean? The very fact that you have to be sitting there defending being a Jew, you've already lost. That's the thing. So Baddiel coming, I don't think he'd do that. And I knew that none of the BBC, they're not going to platform this guy. So I figured if you take all the sort of normal Jews out of this who are actually quite famous and stuff. Maybe I am one of the top Jews who would allow him to have a platform. Well, first of all, you're not fucking top anything, mate. I'm Put top that everything. out of your head. Instantly, <laughs> out of your head. Um, yeah. 
No, I agree. It should just be an everyday person who doesn't particularly identify as Jewish, but has heritage of it. We're both in that. I don't know if you do, to be honest with you, that's an assumption on my part, mm. but I, I certainly don't really identify as being Jewish, but all my family are. And I guess yeah. that was the first 10 years of my life. You know, that was the upbringing I had. But yeah. um, We used to talk about this a lot in our, in our teens. Um, yeah. Because we, I think we bonded over not wanting to be part of it. But do you yeah. find, like I'm starting to find, the more anti-semitism you experience or the more of that kind of thing the more you do start to not with the religion but you start to identify with the just hey that's my family you're talking about yeah yes and no and the only thing that i i identified with was the direct shots at my grandparents who were in concentration camps so i Hmm. I, I, honestly it's not it's not like yeah it's not i'm not i'm not saying oh me and my people because no mate i don't believe in religion i don't i don't i think it's all fucking nonsense and honestly if i could get rid of judaism as a religion i would (laughs) oh i would i get rid of all of them i get rid of every religion i'm 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 an open anti-religious uh atheist when josh friend on the uh on the edge with andrew gold podcast said i would get rid of all of them i would just like to point out that as far as i can can tell he was referring to religions and not jewish people all religions get rid of them they cause more problems than they do um not cause but you're correct i saw that and i thought who the fuck is this guy who and you know what really upset me andrew was the amount of support that myself and other people gave to black lives matter and to see that instead of uh, all the people who are supporting Black Lives Matter jumping on and going, you know what? This is more bullshit. This is more minorities being hurt. Let's back it. Yeah. Silent across the board, across the fucking board. And that really pissed me off more than anything else. It was like, where's this double standard come from? I don't know if you agree with me on this, but when you see what Wiley wrote, you go on Twitter, you see what he's written. It's not, it doesn't hurt. It's not making me cry or whatever. Mate, you, know, it doesn't- you knew some of the, like the holding the corn stuff. That's drill yeah. talk for being shot. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it does. So, they, so then you disagree. The, what I'm going to say though is like because it's so mental when you get someone who's anti-Semitic on the right wing. So I've had this on YouTube. The videos I put up, and I'm sure I don't know if you would have actually because you don't have anything that's uh, characteristically Jewish. My name Gold gives it yeah. away straight away. Yeah. So whenever I post anything, there are usually one or two comments going, "Oh, so, yeah. Well, what ethnicity are you from? State your ethnicity, will you?" And, and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I just think you are a bloke <laughs> sitting at home covered in your own feces with a tin tin hat on. I don't care. But then when you get this Guardian woman who was the, the woman who was presenting on talk radio, when you get those kind of things, when they go, is it anti-Semitism? I'm not sure. That hurts because that could be a friend of yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And to, honestly, the thing that hurt more than Wiley saying this stuff was the responses. Because mm-hmm. I would say it was like a 90 to 10% split in favor of what he was saying. Well, those followers, aren't they? A lot of people arguing for him and saying, yeah, yeah, he's right. You know, and there are people that sit on the fence and, and as soon as Wiley states his, his position on things, they, they, they follow him. I'm going to see if I can call Wiley. Oh God. Don't say I'm here. I don't want to. No, the whole point is saying you're here. Nah, nah, nah. Not happening. No, well then I'll do it another time. Cause then, cause otherwise, cause I want to get him to come on to a Zoom call with me. It's not going to happen. Yeah, do it, do it on. Yeah, but if he does say yes, mm. Then I've got, he's going to come in the call then, isn't he? That's fine. I'll get off. In fact, I'll, I'll just sit mute. I'll, I'll block my camera out and uh, watch it with you. All right. Well, we could, all right. Go on, give him a call. You, why can't I say I've got Josh from Modestep? You've bottled it, mate. 
no, I don't want to be involved with his... But I'll, I'll tell you why, Andrew, because yes. six months ago... Uh, actually, it was March. It was the day that the lockdown happened. Yeah. Um, I had death threats from the grime community. So I'm, I'm not having that again, mate. Yeah, Jesus. I had actual death threats. I had people saying they were going to come up to my show and kill me. So I'm... Should, I'm we, leave, should we leave Wiley then? Maybe we shouldn't do that. Or we could prank I, call him. I think... <laughs> oh, hello, Wiley. <laughs> no, no. Not, not getting involved with him, man. Okay. But uh, welcome to call. Do it. I think you should do it, quite honestly. Mm, um, I might do it another time, you know. Yeah. I, um, I think it, it would be a scoop that would be would, would be good for you. And yeah. I would love to I would love to hear the conversation because you're quite uh, used to speaking to extreme people, I guess. People with very extreme thought patterns and you Yeah. Well yeah. Well the other thing, if he was looking for a top Jew, I mean there are not many now that I've outed you as one. There are not many topper Jews than you. You got uh, millions and millions of YouTube videos. I'm doing a segue here. Millions and millions of YouTube videos, watches, views, whatever, and uh, Spotify and all that. What's it like having loads of fans? Um, strange because it happened over ten years. So like the initial time where we where we broke out and and suddenly there was like a bunch of people who were coming to see us. It was it happened so fast that none of it really none of it registered. It was very whirlwind. I think like I was working a job at the Apple store mm. within six months, handed in my notice. And I was then spent three years on a tour bus from then on. So it was from like 2010, 2013, late 2013. I've not been home. I spent it all on a tour bus. Mm. So it was a real like whirlwind change in my life. I was like, I'm going from serving people in the Apple store to being shipped around the around the world to see all my fans so that was weird but now it's kind of like i think we just hit 10 years um since sunlight came out so now it's like very different it's all the fans who have stuck with me for 10 years i know some of them by name and they're getting me through this whole pa uh, pandemic like i'm streaming people donating to me people like being patreons and without these people i'd be totally sorry andrew's dad fucked in this situation <laughs> I've heard, I've seen you having a few arguments with people about the Patreon thing. What's going on there? Yeah, so there's this. Um, I had um, a big fallout with another DJ. Um, I basically, I speak to a lot of DJs. Obviously, that's what I do. I speak to a lot of them, and a lot of them, especially those who are on visas in America, are suffering really badly because we don't get any unemployment out here. We don't get any help from the government in the UK. We don't get any help from the government over here. Um, and we can only work as musicians because that's what our visa states. So I can't go and start running an Uber if I wanted to just earn a bit of money on the side. I can't do it. So um, I made a very clear point on on Twitter that um, for some reason, artists have to give this impression that we're all killing it. We're all balling in life, yeah. and no matter what. You know, oh, we're up in the crib. We're doing like, for some reason, hip hop has changed the way that people see celebrities. And yeah. We all have to look like we're superstars, no matter what. And I made a, a point on Twitter that, that went viral that it may seem like that's what we have to put across. But just so you know, I am friends with a lot of these people and there's a chance they may not have this career uh, after the end of coronavirus. And some really entitled um, DJ said, no, you're wrong. You're wrong about this. Uh, if you work hard enough, no matter what, you'll be able to do it because this is what you love and it's music. Jesus. And I was like, you're just not understanding it, mate. You're coming from privilege here totally coming from privilege. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that he had a job in, in finance before, <laughs> before, he, uh, before he was a DJ and he still does stocks and this, that and the other. And he put out an awful tweet saying, to all my DJ friends, make sure you have at least 10 months 
worth of money in your bank account ready for this emergency <laughs> period. And now's a great time to get involved in stocks. And it's like, mate, you, you have no idea. You've been in this for like two years. You're doing very well. So you've got a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, you've obviously had money before this. So you've had money to put in it. And therefore, you can exponentially grow your money. And just not not really a fair, not a fair thing to say. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. There is an assumption, isn't there, that whenever you see anybody on TV or like doing anything, they've got like endless money and stuff. Especially with artists. And I, th I don't yeah. think people really understand that they are the bottom feeders for every contract. So if you look yeah. at any agreement, you've got record label, management, agent, every company takes their share before the musician takes their share. And the debt always sits with the musician. So yeah. Um, do, do you know, I can't remember if I've told you already, but how much I made making that exorcist film no so i made this documentary won loads of awards all this stuff it ended up being top of bbc threes one, one of their top um, best of 2018 whatever I did loads of stuff for it worked did loads of different roles for it and got zero out of it got less than yeah. zero i lost money on it but people watching that show would assume like oh he's rolling in it yeah and i feel like that's journalists 
it really feels like anyone who's creative or anyone who's like the one putting the grind in always ends up the bottom of the deal because they know mm. you're doing it out of passion and yeah. then they know that there's other people who will do it and take your take that seat in a fucking heartbeat that is 100 percent. it's a real issue with like how these uh how these industries have been been carved out and to Wiley's credit it's disgraceful the way that musicians are treated it really is mm. but you definitely can't put it down to a certain ethnicity definitely doesn't lie with that I mean I've had Greek managers that have totally fucked me over I've had Christian yeah. managers who have totally fucked me over um if you're a manager and you're in the music industry you're gonna get you're gonna fuck people over because that's kind of what you're, you're you're part of a business you're not part of <laughs> any of the creative side you've got involved in this because you want to earn money um, and some of them do it for passion. And luckily I am now with a team where my manager, big fan of my, my act, my, my agent, there's not a single person, anyone can say anything bad about him at all. They're just good people. It's taken yeah. 10 years to find these people. Uh, the majority of the industry is totally fucked. And you even have to look at Spotify. Spotify this year, I think they're worth like 50 billion or some shit like that, some crazy mm. number. Um, I get paid per stream 0.0002% at uh, 0.002 cents. So I have to play, I have to get 200,000 plays to make less than like thousand dollars or something. It's crazy. Mm. I mean, they take so much of the percentage of, of, of wow. our money that it's basically ineffective as a, as an earning tool. You know, I, I basically use it as a promotion tool. They take all the money. Um, and then when you factor in record label uh, and management, and I, I basically see nothing for any music I make ever. I've never seen a penny. The mode set's been like, it's been you know you've got some absolute bangers. If you've been, they've been, do people say bangers? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some bang. I've got some tunes. There's been yeah. some. There's been tunes uh, all day in the gold household, which has just had me in it. My girlfriend's convinced that she's heard um, "Sunshine Hurts My Eyes" in films or adverts mm, likely that, yeah has it been in has it been in several uh possibly it's definitely been in films uh it was definitely in like if she's ever watched any of like any of english the only way is or any of the i don't know the only way is essex or made in chelsea and all of those did you know that was going to be because that that's just like a massive hit but it wasn't immediately obvious to me because i was listening to them at the time it wasn't obvious to me that that was going to be the one because I think you had another song called Feel Good and then there's mm -hmm. Another Day. And mm -hmm. I think they were all singles. But mm -hmm. I think maybe one of those two could have been... Do you know... Do you have a feeling before? Yeah, yeah. We knew that Sunlight was going to be the one. In fact, we like... Um, <laughs> I wrote... It's it's interesting. I wrote Sunlight, Feel Good, To The Stars and Show Me A Sign in like two days. All of those songs. We just knew. It was like, this was our batch of songs. And we were like, right, Sunlight, that's going to be the one. We knew. Wow. We just knew because it had like a summer feeling and had the right yeah i just 100 percent knew that that was going to be the one was but, sunlight hurting your eyes when you wrote it seriously was there something like that happening you don't understand what the lyric of the song is is that what you're, what you're saying to me you're a journalist you're a, you're, a, you're i want you to explain the lyric of this of the thing all right so it's sunlight hurting your eyes is once you've been out partying till 5 a.m the sun comes up and then you leave the club and you go oh fuck that's <laughs> and i think a lot of people can um relate to that and that's probably why it, yeah why it took off the way it did yeah there was a great song that has a similar idea on London Road. I can't remember the name of the type, the track, but it's it's uh, on the night bus. Is it called Night Bus? Night Bus Home, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I like that. That really worked. It really you got the sound of the night bus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like I'd say that's probably my favorite 
wide step mm. tune. Is it? it? Yeah, really proud of that one. In fact, really... we won the whole album. Didn't really do very well. We got um, again fucked over by management. Totally fucked over. Um, they. Oh, okay. Uh, let me explain to you. Actually, here we go. Here's a, a very good. This. These are the kind of things that have upset Wiley, and I can totally sympathise with it. So, that, that two hundred thousand that we we had for the record, right? Yeah. Um, and you wanted a breakdown of how that that money was spent. So, we were given two hundred thousand to 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 make and sell this record. Um. I spent making the record, I think it was roughly like 20,000, 30,000 pounds. Okay. Um, and that was like studio costs, a um, couple of mix engineers mastering this that, and the other. Um, so once we had made the record, um, I went to my management company who um, at the time managed huge artists, fucking huge artists, Bring Me to the Horizon, uh, Iron Maiden, like huge, huge acts. They had brokered us this deal for, for whatever, like a quarter of a million pounds and had said to us, don't worry about it. We've managed to get you this deal. You never have to pay it back again. It's non-recoupable money. Don't worry about it. So we're like, all right, they know what they're talking about. We trust them. They manage these very well-known acts. Um, so signed the deal, finished the album, and came to start promoting it. Like, right, so we want to shoot a music video for the first single. And they were like, oh, no, all the money's gone. I'm like, sorry, what? We had 200 grand. Where, where's all the money gone? They went, oh, we, we spent it all. Like, don't you have to have my permission to do any of that? Oh, no, not really, no. It's like, okay, uh, where's it all gone? And they're like, oh, well, we spent 60,000 pounds of it. Um, we know a, a, a magazine in Germany, uh, so they're going to give you an, an article in their magazine, that's <laughs> 60 grand. Um, so basically what they do is they have this network of uh, friends that they have in the industry. Oh, my God. They sign like 10 bands a year. They abuse their power in the industry by getting these huge deals and signing these bands, they take their 20% gross cut of that money. So out of that 200 grand, they take their 20% and then they um, do fucking nothing with it. Mm. So they, they didn't have any money to promote the record whatsoever. I think we ended up with 5,000 pounds left that they spent, this was their big idea, was an ad van. So a big van that drives up and down London with the artwork on it. And that was how they were gonna get us a number one album. And no shit. The album didn't do particularly well, but over the last five years since the record's come out, people have discovered it and it's the numbers have fucking surged and it's yeah. been like a natural discovery instead of, hey, Motorset's back with a new record, you know? But we obviously left that management company straight after all of that ordeal. Um, and then I went to a lawyer to look over the contract and it turned out they had fucked us over and we have to pay back all of that money. So all the money they spent and gave to their friends is now my debt. Wow. Um, and this is like a very, very, very common deal that is done between bad management companies. And just to let anyone know who's watching this, if you're uh, ever hit up by raw power management, um, don't sign with them. So. Yeah. Can I include that or will I get sued? Absolutely can include that. Yeah. That is my opinion. That is not the opinion of uh, yeah. this podcast. My opinion and my suggestion based on my experiences is do yeah. not sign with raw power management. My opinion is I I, I quite like them and I yeah. hope that they're well. He's best friends, actually. <laughs> I offer no opinion on them except to say that sounds like, well, that's what's got Wiley all wild up. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Jewish stuff's not not ideal, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's someone, again, with mental health issues who has been through something that I've been through and gone, well, that someone must be to blame. Yeah. It can't possibly be me and my, my lack of lack of know-how. And I told you that I got death threats from the grind scene yeah. like about three, four months ago. And it was over a very <clears> similar <throat> thing. So we did a tune with a bunch of grind people. Yep. Um, not 
something I wanted to do, something other members of the band wanted to do. And I was like, absolutely, let's give them a platform. Like we're about to have a big record. Let's give them the opportunity. These are artists that my brother loved. Let's right. give them the opportunity and the space to, it was almost like, you know, you brought us up on your uh, on your music. We want to give it back to you. We want to give something back to you guys. Yeah. So we brought a bunch of grime artists to our house, recorded this tune. Um, and it turns out that a bunch of them didn't realize that they had to, on their side, register the song. And this is standard practice, right? So if, you, if you're in a song with me and you have 20% of it, uh, when you go to register the song with, with PRS, which is the Performing Rights Society, which is where you register all of your, your royalty, uh, royalty yeah. splits, um, they forgot to do it. And then didn't know for seven years that they weren't earning money off this song. And then I suddenly wake up with a bunch of tweets from everyone who's like, yeah, we got fucked over by Modestep. They fucked us over. Oh. And really, it was their own fucking ignorance. They didn't sign they didn't, they didn't uh, sign up to the website and, and actually one or two of them even did. And I ended up sending a screenshot to them and being like, mate, you are being paid for it. Like, <laughs> this is evidence of it. Like, so I think there's a lot of this, like people really wanting to be a victim yeah. um, or not having a lot in life. Um, and we know that like when you're, when you're not, not privileged and you feel like the world's against you, you, you try and fight out against it. And I think Wiley is the absolute, like epitome of, of, of this this mentality that is it's rife across the UK, you know. Yeah. It's a it's a real council estate mentality, um, in the sense that like you're not born with anything. You're always fighting for everything you have. So you have this natural um this natural repellent to anything that that is doing better than you. I, I, or, or or there's this real jealousy and real uh why is the world treating me the way it's treating me? And you you will look for bizarre answers to answer that because the, re the real answer is, unfortunately, the world is not very fair and everyone isn't aware of everything all the time. And you can't, you can't always be on top of everything and have all the knowledge about everything. And unfortunately, education isn't equal. Some people aren't as clever as others. And this is the way of the world, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they still rip you off. They still rip me off. Everyone gets ripped off as part of the business. It does seem like that. Um, you had Big Nasty on your album. He was the one I'd heard of, of the extra people. And you had a guy called Funt Case. When I talk about the grime scene and and these death threats, Big Nasty is totally removed from all of that. It's one of the nicest people, huh. one of my close friends and, and people I don't really see associated with, the, associated with the grime scene. And actually, he has kind of separated himself a lot from it because I think he noticed early on that there was this real dumb attitude that went along with grime. And was very associated with grime there was this like he wanted to be bigger than that he wanted to be like a personality and he wanted to be a tv presenter and grime immediately turned it turned their back on him um even though he's exactly what they are he's very talented he's a great mc he's comes from the ground from the underground comes from nothing this is what grime is nasty is what grime is but because he doesn't want to stick to their their exact uh, set of rules, they, they turn their back on him. So I, yeah, I just want to say that he's like totally separate from, and there are a lot of grime MCs that I've met, they're lovely people. And I've, you know, I don't want to list them all, but there are, there is, there is a lot of people who are, who are nice, but there's just this overall generic ignorance and, and real ignorant mentality that they thrive upon and, and actually are proud of themselves for having. There's like this roadman mentality, that like they, they kind of pride themselves in having. Wow. Okay, you are slamming the grime scene. A little bit, yeah. 
a little bit. I'll, I'll be honest, like I'm at my wit's end with it because I've had to deal with it and, and, and work with them for the last 10 years. And I feel like Grime could have been something huge. And Stormzy's the only one who really had his head screwed on and really like saw the genre and the industry for what it is. And when, well, I'm just, just going to remove myself from this fucking narrow-minded, stupid mentality and just attack it properly. And he's the only one that's had any success from it. All the other guys have kind of like had half successes or had to really sell themselves short in order to get success. Wiley being one of them, he released a bunch of pop songs, which people have ridiculed him for releasing. And then he has the argument of, you know, I'm the godfather anyway, I can do what the fuck I want. I do enough of the underground that, you know, that it justifies all that pop stuff. But Yeah, there's always that um, stuff, isn't there? There's always that argument. I mean, would you ever um, try to write some poppy stuff? Yeah, I, I, man, we're we're like a pop crossover act. I don't, don't deny it whatsoever. Do you think, because, well, I guess in the scene it is, but to me, and probably to a lot of the, my listeners as well, it's it's edgy. Yeah, that's that's why you're on on the, the edge. The edginess comes from the from the crossover part of it, you know. So the edginess comes from the underground dubstep stuff that I love. I also fucking love Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls and fucking. What's your favorite Spice Girls song? Favorite Spice Girls song. Ooh, trying to catch you out here. Trying to sound down to earth, are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, big time. Um, you have a clue. What's the really Latin one? Um, Viva Forever. No, no, no. I think it's Spice Up Your Life. Spice up your life. To be honest, the whole record is fucking phenomenal. You've got some of the best production and songwriting in the world. Aviva Forever, fucking... Oh, all of them, they're all amazing. Man. Makes they're me cry. What's that? Makes you Makes cry. me cry, that song. Five? Nah, fuck that. That's that's not peak pop music. That's crap. Um, if we're talking about boy band, great pop boy bands, you've got to go with NSYNC. Oh, you know what's funny? The other day, so my sister's 13, Madison. She'll like mm. that little shout out to Madison. Um, and the other day she said, she called up and she was saying, I've been listening to all this music from your age, you know, so it was all like 90s and stuff. Uh, and she talks about it like it was the way I might talk about something from the 50s. And mm. she said, oh, and I've just got this one song from this band, uh, NSYNC. That's cute. And I went, Oh, <laughs> but how old does that make you feel? Oh man, every day I feel old. And especially as like, now I'm still touring these circuits in America yeah. where it's like 18, 19 year olds. And I'm like so much older than that. It's terrifying. I want you to write some, some like Josh Friend albums, you know, I've, or at least another Mode Step album. I want to hear some new stuff. Yeah, me too. I haven't written anything since lockdown. Um, it's not yeah. been particularly inspiring. Um, you know what? That song, we talked about it before, but that song, Time, right? And I yeah. know it was a tribute to Pink Floyd. Yeah. The way at the end, your vocals sort of, you're really giving it a go and stuff. And I, I love that. I love that. And it's got a bit of Jeff Buckley about it. And I thought, oh, yeah. what if you did like an album of like a Josh Friend's just album? It's the plan. Of Honestly, it is the plan. Um, and I have tried to do it a couple of times, but if I do it, it's going to be so it's going to take me so long to write the music because I'm going to be very, very picky about what comes out. Because I, I would want it to like sit in the leads of Jeff Buckley and, Steve, and Stevie Wonder. Because there's no point otherwise. There's no, yeah, there's no point in me doing it. So I either just stick with mode step and do like what I can do and I know it works and I, I, yeah. I love the music and I, I can do it very well. Um, and I, I, you know, I just want to, I want it to sit in the leads of, of James Blake's and I would want it to mm. be like, Grammy music, you know. I don't want it to be like. I, I wouldn't want to put all that effort in. You could definitely do Grammy music. Would you let me sing on it? No, not a chance in hell. You'll be coming out with all your uh, Robbie Williams licks, and I'm just. No, it'd be a you know, bit radio. I'd be doing some Radiohead stuff. 
watch watch this back right guaranteed doesn't include this that uh andrew's favorite <laughs> act was robbie williams growing up the thing is Williams. the thing is if this were five years ago this podcast i wouldn't include it but i've had oh, a robbie, robbie um revival in my in my home you do yeah because i started showing my girlfriends um and i was like oh you know what these songs and it's very it's impossible to separate the quality of the song from your own nostalgia isn't it yeah, so it is. i was just making the point to her like oh god he's so much better though than all the you know the, the modern equivalent of whoever it is one direction or whatever i was like he's such a better pop star oh and and that's how it, but she was saying oh who, you know, who is the modern day robbie williams who is it who have we got? I, read, I read an article the other day saying that it's, it's not as simple as they don't really have that anymore um hmm. well, harry Styles. Yeah, maybe. They said Lady Gaga was the last pop star. Uh, Michael Jackson being like one of the first like solo pop stars like, of that mm, kind. Come on, man. Billie Eilish? Yeah, I guess Billie Eilish, but it's not the same. No, she's. I'm talking like male uh, rock star uh, kind of thing. I guess it would be like Harry Styles or Zayn Malik. Well, it was only rock star. Robbie Williams was only that kind of thing because at the time, Britpop was the big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the yeah. 90s it, it was that wasn't it in the 80s it was uh, Michael Jackson it was very different it wasn't rock it was more dancey stuff wasn't it it still was kind of like a rock star in a weird way yeah how do you write a song how does I can pretty much wake up and know based on how I feel that day whether I'm gonna do it or not and usually it's immediate so I just sit down and play and it's there or like I've had the song in my head for like a week and then I'm like it's already there it's written in my head before yeah. can you write one right now um yeah sure hold on um yeah. hold on, hold on. this podcast is shit <laughs> podcast is shit i need something other than rogan to listen to now and again so yeah well you've been listening so, to this haven't you i've been listening to this not in not in full all the time i get past like five minute mark and yeah like no, i'm joking i am um, i've listened to quite a few of them to be honest with you um i started listening to the woke one yesterday um but uh, we ended up doing something else, watching something. But I was it a bit complicated for you? No. You sure, Josh? Well, how about you? Uh, you throw some of the questions my way that you instead of. Well, we had a similar conversation. To be honest, we always end up talking about the same thing, don't we? I mean, it's you know the world's gone mad. I just feel like most people have opinions, don't give them. Uh, those who do usually have a bad one, and that's like really where these echo chambers and social media are just. It's not structured correctly for constructive talk. Um, a lot of Twitter is just an echo chamber of your own beliefs. But you and um, I are quite opinionated. Yeah. I've become more and more opinionated on Twitter over the last year. Um, and it's weirdly gained me more following on there, but then also a lot of more hate. So I, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I'm, as of this week, after all the Wiley stuff, I'm, I'm, slowing it down with the Twitter Twitter shit because yeah. I don't know, man. It's just not real. It's not reality. Like Wiley wouldn't go up to a Jewish man and say that stuff to his face. Just wouldn't. Sorry, just wouldn't. Um, and that's why he didn't get on the Zoom call with you. It's why he didn't do his Sky interview that he said he was just about to go and do before he disappeared off all of these platforms. Yeah, it's cheap talk. Since speaking to Josh, Wiley has actually gone on Sky News to defend himself. He half apologised for speaking about all Jews instead of just Jews who are in the media, and then continued to talk about Jews being awful, live on a huge mainstream platform. I hope Josh's interview has provided you with some context and showed how people might grow to believe certain conspiracy theories. 
if you know someone who believes this toxic stuff that Wiley has been spouting, show them this podcast, help them understand. Stick around, subscribe, please leave a review. It really helps. Next week, I'll be back with a sociopath, M.E. Thomas, who wrote Confessions of a Sociopath about her life as a sociopath. Seems like a current theme on this show after Wiley. So I'm looking forward to talking to her about what it's really like. It's scary. See you next week.